listening to this podcast right now. Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh my music, God. television, and more? Oh my God. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, and you get Podcastrophe, oh hosted God. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your yes. choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophe. That sounds so awesome. The following, the following, the following. The following. Journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. To a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. I am the man of the hour. The man with the power. Diamonds are forever. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. And what you gonna do, Andre? History beckons the macho man. Yeah. The best there is. The best there was. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Do I have everybody's attention now? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. It's season three, episode 12. I hope you all are having a glorious day here on the Journey into Comics Network where, you know, we are in Feature Week uh, on Podbean, so if you're finding us for the first time, welcome. We are a wrestling-based show. We will be covering all facets of wrestling today. We kind of have two major companies to discuss, the big boy itself, WWE, and the newcomer, All Elite Wrestling. So to start this off, we're going to get right into some topics and some things that happen in the wrestling world. Since I last spoke with you guys, actually... I'm pretty sure it was the day after I last spoke with you guys, shockingly enough. We had a major passing happen in the professional wrestling world, and we lost Mean Gene Okerlund. Now, uh, if you guys are completely oblivious to wrestling or oblivious to this side of wrestling, Mean Gene was one of the greatest interviewers in all of television, honestly. Uh, he interviewed people for WCW, WWF, WWE, as in the WWE Hall of Fame, had appeared in multiple WrestleManias for multiple different things. Like, Mean Gene had interviewed them all. Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snuka, fucking Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan, I said Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hogan, Lex Luger, Macho Man, I mean, Ultimate War, the list goes on and on and on. He's He interviewed everybody, you guys. And, you know, he passed away at 76 years old, which, uh sucks. Um, but I guess he just had had three kidney transplants over the years and was in a declining state of health. And uh, in the past few weeks leading up to the end of his life, he just kind of went from bad to worse. So it seems that this is something that was kind of, to the people behind the scenes, not necessarily a surprise. It wasn't like it just happened out of the blue. Um, maybe this is something they saw coming, which is unfortunate. Uh, it definitely affected the entire wrestling world. I mean, you got to think that since the whole Hulk Hogan thing, we haven't seen Hogan on professional WWE programming, you know, aside from Crown Jewel, which is kind of controversial in itself. We're not going to go back on that whole conversation. You guys can listen earlier in the season if you want to hear my thoughts and opinions on the uh, Crown Jewel event that they held in Saudi Arabia. So that was the one time he was on TV, and he hasn't been seen since, and he was kind of like, they had the whole, there was the whole meeting that happened behind the scenes, and a lot of the wrestlers were kind of like, hey, 
what the fuck? Like, we aren't really cool with Hogan giving a half-assed um, apology when he said stuff that cuts really deep and isn't something we can tolerate in ever. We should never have tolerated this kind of um, system to be created where uh, the color of your skin defines the quality of your character. I think that's horseshit. I think everybody has a fair shake until they prove they're a bad person. They're a bad person. It doesn't matter. They're bad people on all sides of the fence. It, it doesn't. It does not matter who you are. There are good and bad people in every race. Simple as that. So, Hogan's, you know, comments struck a chord with a lot of people, Titus O'Neil, Xavier Woods, the, the entire New Day uh, faction, uh, and, and several others, and it was like, man, I don't know if he'll ever show up on TV again, like, this is rough. Mean Gene passed away, and then we kind of get this, this news the following Monday that Hogan is returning to essentially say goodbye to Mean Gene, and it was honestly a beautiful tribute. It almost moved me to tears. Uh, Hogan himself was, in fact, moved to tears, and um, they did a beautiful... You know, here's the thing. I get it. You're trying to play on people's emotions. Just make a nice video package and don't put some sappy fucking song behind it after someone dies because it devalues what you're trying to say to your audience. I know you're trying to get emotion, but the emotion's already there. If you would have played me 25 minutes of nothing but Mean Gene interviews, I would have wept because he was a brilliant man, you know? So the 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 whole video package itself, the clips were great. The music, I thought, was kind of hogwash. Uh, that gets done. Hogan says a couple words, and then he kind of cut this, like, to heaven, I guess, promo on Mean Gene. What you going to do, Mean Gene? And talking about this match that he set up and, ha like, you know, it was beautiful. It really was. Uh, it, it does suck to see Mean Gene go. And I think that's one thing I kind of want to start on today with the first little bit of my show here is as modern professional wrestling fans, us fans who grew up with the product and not only grew up with the product, but kind of grew into the product. We were evolving with the times. We went from kids who watched 80s style wrestling, which was mostly just wrestling, and you don't remember a lot of the deep storylines in those unless you go back as an adult and rewatch. Uh, as to where in the 90s when we start to build into the Attitude Era and ECW and all of that, we were growing up and things were becoming more interesting, and it was like they were fueling our generation with this um, amazing concept of professional wrestling, and it was as large as it had ever been. Uh, but see, the issue is, is that we as fans are going to grow to a point where we're going to watch all of our wrestling heroes die, and there's no way around that. I'm, I'm going to just keep it 100 with you right now, but Ric Flair is not going to live forever. Hulk Hogan is not going to live forever. Um, you know, even even Stone Cold and The Rock and Triple H and Vince McMahon himself—they're not all going to live forever. They'll they'll be immortalized through this product of professional wrestling, but they can't live forever. And us as the fans. It's really, I think it's it's a struggle that as a younger kid, I didn't really pay that much attention to. Owen's death really affected me as a kid because I was a big Owen Hart fan, and uh, 
you know, I was always as a kid going around telling people enough is enough and it's time for a change. Like I just loved that line. It was it was good to me. And that was like right at the height of me getting into wrestling and really not just loving the wrestling product, but falling deeply in love with the professional wrestling product. So Owen's death hit me and it was it was tough. And then, you know, years later you had Eddie's death and that hit me and it was tough. And these are guys who get taken way too young. So it's it's a different thing. You know, both Eddie and both uh, Eddie and Owen both were still in the prime of their game when they were taken. And then you look at Chris Benoit and that whole situation, and we've covered that on this show, not as extensively as we probably could, but maybe someday we'll, we'll go through a whole episode um, talking about um, breaking down Benoit, because it was a very, you know, you watch his career, and I literally, here's what I have been doing after the Chris Benoit uh, tragedy and his family and all that took place. I go back and I watch his old matches and I see how he treated his body. And he always led with his fucking skull. Everything he did was essentially leading with his head. He had heavy headbutts. He would do the fucking, uh, the headbutt from the top rope. I mean, he took some nasty bumps when he came over to the WWE at that time. Like, anyways, because to, to, I'm tangenting into the Chris Benoit thing and I don't want to do that. Like, that is tragic. But all these things are tragic. They're all taken before their time. Now we're getting back to like when Macho passed, Mr. Perfect was, I guess, another one that was kind of fringe still in his time. But we're losing all these guys, man. And it's going to just keep happening. And I think as the wrestling fan, it's going to... I don't know if it's going to shape wrestling, but I do think it might evolve wrestling. Because I think that these people's legacies are going to kind of get left behind. And you don't want to disrespect them and you also want to create your own you know your own identity as it were so um I I just wanted to I know it's not been like a super long topic here in the first little bit of the show but it was just interesting to me to hear about the passing of Mean Gene and think to myself like well shit this is not this is not something that slows down actually like we're only ramping and I, I actually said this about rock and roll as well because you've got you know we're in the era of like from if you are alive from 1950 to now in any of those time frames you've had to live watching all of these major iconic american heroes die time and time and time and time again you have to almost become numb to it but if there's something that you really love whether it's a specific type of music or a specific character or a specific the, the anything you know Death is hard. It really is. So let's leave the darkness. Let's leave the sadness. Let's get into some light here. Uh, We had some interesting stuff happen on the past couple Raws. Uh, Overall, ever since the You're the Authority era has begun, I guess they'd say, I would say they're doing interesting things. They're making wrestling unpredictable. I don't know if it's, it's made WWE better or just random as shit. I guess. Uh, So what do I mean by that? Well, last night on Raw, Bobby Lashley won the IC title in a two-horse race that was between Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. They essentially shook the title. Now, I can see why they did this, and and it it makes absolute sense. What you want to do is you want to have the Seth and Dean feud be so potent that without a title, it's actually more important. They've done this before. Obviously, there have been legendary feuds 
that have, you know, not needed a title to be the MacGuffin of the story. And really, Seth and Dean didn't need it. It just kind of, Seth had it, and then Roman had to leave. And then it was like, what do we do? We'll, we'll do the betrayal thing. That's great. But what do we do? We have to get the title out of the shield because it'll stagnate there. We don't want it to just be going back and forth between Roman or between Rollins and Ambrose. So essentially they just did this triple threat match last night. Bobby Lashley wins. He's the first time I see champ. I don't know if this more legitimizes his career. I do kind of like him with the IC title. I'm thinking that he may hopefully be able to rise to the stock of Intercontinental Champion and join the ranks of people such as Ultimate Warrior and Honky Tonk Man and Mr. Perfect and, uh, you know, uh, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, um, Chris Jericho. I mean, The Miz. We keep going. A lot of great IC champs throughout history. Been a lot of them. Uh, Even Dolph Ziggler was an amazing IC champ, I want to mention. So... It's cool that Bobby wins, but that's not really the cream of last night's crop. There's some other stuff that happened that we really need to get into, and I'm going to just jump right into the to the other stuff because we've got other other stuff to talk about and other conjectures I'm going to have and thoughts and, and theories and whatnot. So Bobby Lashley winning the IC title is cool. I'll end that. Up next is some pretty cool stuff during Raw last night because during a moment of bliss last night, Alexa Bliss's talk show, she unveiled some Amazing news, which is what the women's tag division will officially be represented in gold, as there will be three teams from Raw, three teams from SmackDown competing in a tag team elimination chamber match at Elimination Chamber in February to crown the inaugural WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. I'm fucking hyped. There are so many women that have been championing this, Becky Lynch being one of them, to have the women's division be represented in gold for the tag division. They've had so many great tag matches in the past several years since the women revolution, or the evolution as it were. Uh, I'm stoked on this. I think that it's about time. I firmly believe that the, I mean, I just want to say that the titles themselves look fucking cool. Like, the belts are pretty nifty. They're circular, so they kind of stick with the, how the men's tag division have a circular title, and they're not the WWE logo like the world champ. I do like that. They've actually kind of got a little bit of a system going here. Their top-tier champs have one look. Their their tag champs have one look. Kind of. Because the women's tag titles and the men's tag titles don't look alike at all, but they have similar qualities, and I like that. I like that the, the, the center plate is a circular plate, um, with kind of like, um, I don't know, I love it. Uh, a lot of people are actually really stoked as this thing, that they posted it on WWE uh, Twitter, and it got like almost 12,000 likes, 3,000 retweets, people saying things from beautiful, the tag team title design is delightful. Uh, Mandy Rose, somebody posted a gif of Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville and said these two are destined for the belts. I don't think so, but uh, oh man, yeah, those titles are just, as I said at the top of the show, they're glorious. Damn, they look good. They look really good. It's, uh, uh, I think it would be cool to have the Iconics be the first women's tag champs. I think they deserve the rub. Um, 
so to to break down this belt a little bit more now, I got a really good close up picture finally. I was been been searching for one. So the belt is, is like I said, the center plate's circular. It's got like essentially an X design. So there's like four corners out of the circle at let's say two o'clock, four o'clock, eight o'clock, and ten o'clock, I guess. And then uh it's got kind of like the the vine leaf, you know, Romany looking thing that goes around the circle, which is cool. Women's tag team champions, awesome look. The belts are two-toned gold and silver, like the actual plates. They have the WWE logo on the side plate on either side, uh, which may be interchangeable for the team's custom logo, possibly. I'm uncertain. Uh, The WWE logo is small up on the top of the belt itself, and the straps are white. So I really love the color play here with the gold, the silver, and the white. It just definitely stands out. Uh, some idiot's not happy and says, no, 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 but I, I don't think so. I think it is incredible. It's possibly, possibly one of the coolest titles we've gotten in recent memory. If they kept going this route, I think, uh, I think the belt, the, I don't know. I'm weird because I don't like the main belts. I like, I've been firmly adamant against my viewpoints on, if you look at the WWE title and the Universal title, it's the same fucking belt as is the women's title on Raw and SmackDown with just some slight color variations or whatever. I think that's very lazy. I loved the era where every belt looked different and meant something different. That's the point. When you have uh, the new Daniel Bryan as the SmackDown as the WWE champion, it should be dignified he is the WWE champion. And it shouldn't look like a different version of the Universal title. Or vice versa, the Universal title should not look like a replica in red, like it's Edge's belt or something. A different colored strap doesn't sell me that it's a different belt. Universal title, I think, should look really different. It should signify universe and the large scaledness of that but i digress this isn't this isn't all day 24/7 belt talk with Nate this is journey into wrestling let's keep journeying deeper into it now that we know that the women will have tag team titles what else has been happening oh this is an interesting story and it kind of broke we've been get you know we we got teases ever since he left NXT that Lars Sullivan was getting called up to the main roster. He did the vignettes. The vignettes have slowly subsided. We don't really see them. Haven't seen them at least this week. We didn't see them. Uh, maybe we'll see them tonight on SmackDown. Who knows? Maybe he'll appear tonight on SmackDown. Who who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm actually not quite sure. So here's the interesting thing. It seems possible um, that Lars Sullivan has gone AWOL on the WWE. And what I mean by that is some people had actually reported that he had made it all the way to Raw and SmackDown, both both times scheduled for matches. Uh, both times ended up with an anxiety attack and did not perform. Okay? Sure, it's his debut. It's big. He's maybe not ready for the next level, you know? NXT is one thing, but the next level is the next level. And you know what? You can get lost in the shuffle on the main roster if you don't stand out. 
And there's a lot of monsters on the main roster. You've already got Braun Strowman. You've already got Brock Lesnar. Now you've got somebody like Big E. You've also got somebody like uh, Bobby Lashley's a fucking genetic freak, as as uh, Scott, uh, Scott Steiner would say. So Lars Sullivan may be afraid to get lost in the shuffle, having anxiety attacks, or whatever the reason is, right? But here's the issue. While that's been the rumor going around, it maybe is not true. Some people are actually claiming that Lars Sullivan never even showed at television that he's gone completely AWOL on the WWE, not responding to people, not getting back to texts or tweets or any of those things. Literally just going, hey, uh, I don't want to do this. Or maybe, who knows, maybe he saw that there's possibly other opportunities for him in his future, and if he just waits it out... He'll get something better. I don't know. Who knows what this is? I guess the only person that really genuinely will know is the man himself, Lars Sullivan. And I don't have his number. Like, I'm looking at my phone right now. I'm checking. Last thing I see, you know what? I don't know. It's weird. I, you know what? I don't see his number. So, that's, uh, I, I can't, I can't call him for the conjecture. I can't find out, uh, Honestly, what's going on? Sorry, guys. But you know what? While Lars Sullivan not showing up to TV or not showing up or not being responsive to the WWE has happened, there are other people that are showing up to work. Maybe Lars Sullivan is thinking that he's a part of the government shutdown um, because he's a weapon of mass destruction. I don't know. But here's some people who have been showing up. As last night on Raw, we had three different debuts. Who are those debuts, you ask? Well, let's start off with, first of all, we got to kind of backtrack to talk about these debuts as we've been hearing reports that Braun Strowman has not been medically cleared to compete at the Royal Rumble. His uh, elbow is still not 100% from the actual surgery he had. Now, they did do a storyline thing where the whole stairs crushed his um, elbow and it made it look bad. However, I just want to say however with a giant however, the reality was he was already hurt before that, and this was just a good way to get him off TV so he could go get his actual surgery taken care of, and then once the surgery is taken care of, he can come back to TV and kick ass and take names. The problem is, Braun's their top guy since Roman just went out. You don't get Lesnar on TV every week, and what's going to happen, right? Everything's starting to kind of spin now with the WWE. It's like, sure, they want to give the fans what the fans want, but half the people the fans want to see to have an awesome shit happen are out or unable to compete. So then you have to think, okay, well, what's the plan? So last night they decided we can't give Braun the title shot at the Rumble because he's not going to be cleared. What do we do? And it was like, okay, well, how about we do a, a bit with Baron Corbin Baron Corbin can go hide in Vince's uh, limo. Braun will fuck the limo up, essentially, rip the door clean off the hinges. And then there will be Vince to be like, what are you doing? I'm going to strip you of your title shot and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, obviously, what does Braun do best? Even with a hurt elbow, he flipped the limo. Now, I will say they were doing really good creative camera shots to make sure you couldn't see if he had assistance. Uh... Maybe I need to fully go back and like fully deeply rewatch because I was a little bit like, oh, whoa, that's happening. And like looking back and forth. Anyways, I get lost when I watch wrestling sometimes. I digress. So 
it leaves to who's going to challenge Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. I don't know. I don't know. Who is it going to be? They So it's like, hey, let's do this. Why don't we have a match? We'll do like a Fatal 4-Way. Whoever wins the Fatal 4-Way gets the shot at Lesnar at the Rumble, right? So to back build before this announcement gets uh, finalized and who's going to be in the match, there are people lining up to try to get an opportunity at Lesnar. A lot of mid-card, lower-card guys showed up. However, one person showing up to work, as I said, not afraid of the government shutdown, was EC3, right? EC3 was a NXT guy who we knew was getting called up. Now the call-up is happening, and he's trying to line himself up for a, a title shot. I think that's glorious. I don't know that he is ready for that, but you know what? Put him in the shuffle. Put him on Raw and in the shuffle. I love it. I love that. There are two more people that debut backstage, a little backstage vignette. You got Finn Balor walking, and who does he catch out of the corner of his eye chatting with? It looked like Dana Brooks and Mickey James to me. It was Lacey Evans, another NXT call-up. Uh, the self-proclaimed lady of NXT is now the self-proclaimed lady of Raw, I guess you could say. We'll have to see if that actually happens. And last but not least, another great call-up that happened last night. And this is the one that, man, uh, I don't know how I feel about this. She's already had a little subtle debut here and there. I'm pretty sure she did a thing on SmackDown, but... Nikki Cross debuted on Raw last night to tag with Bailey and Natalia to take on the Riot Squad. Um, I love the craziness that is Nikki Cross. I want to play. Like, I love that. She just is freaky. She knows that she's freaky, and she plays it up really well, and she does an amazing job, and she's a violent competitor. Uh, the way she attacked Ruby Riot last night was, uh, yeah. So, anyways, ultimately, they ended up winning the match. Nikki Cross sets up Bailey to pin Morgan to win the match. Uh, and like I had said, Cross did make a brief appearance on SmackDown several weeks ago for an impromptu match with Becky Lynch, but didn't officially get brought up to the main roster until now. So, um, we don't know. Maybe she'll be on Raw. Maybe she'll be on SmackDown. Who knows where they go. Do they do? It's weird. I feel like... They need to think about, like, right before WrestleMania doing the shake-up instead of it being right after WrestleMania, right? Essentially what I mean by that is not actually doing a quote-unquote shake-up, but having people go, look, I'd be better suited on Raw right now. And going over to the Raw um, GMs and being like, McMahons, look, I'd be better suited on Raw. Give me a chance over there. And then they go, well, we could use you on SmackDown. It was, you're doing really good on SmackDown. No, I want to be over there. And then you got someone on on the, on the Raw side saying, I'd be better suited to go to SmackDown. I have a clear path to the title. If I go to SmackDown, well, why don't we just set up the trade? We'll bring her over. She'll go over there or, or whoever will go over where. It could make for an interesting WrestleMania season. And it also would help in an era where it seems like Every year they plan WrestleMania, and I wish they'd stop. And I mean that by, sure, you have an idea of what you'd like to see going into your finale of 35 or 36 or whatever the year is when we move forward year to year to year, whatever your WrestleMania is. The problem with that is you set yourself up for failure because it is inevitable someone's going to get hurt, something is not going to go to plan every year this happens. And then you're left scrambling throughout the year. I feel like they should do more of a go-with-the-flow style 
progression of their stories. If you want these things to be big and huge, don't think about who's headlining WrestleMania a year before you're at WrestleMania. That doesn't make sense. Because you might not have those players then, and then now you've not looked at the whole roster. You've not seen the year progress. You know, like this time last year, they might not have been talking about Becky Lynch headlining for WrestleMania 35. They were talking Charlotte and Ronda for 35. Especially, I mean, once we got to the point where Charlotte defeats Asuka and, and all the changes start happening and Ronda's still undefeated and has the title... Like, you've set up an interesting story for Charlotte and Rhonda to have something that means something, right? But that doesn't matter because Becky just shot up and was like, fuck you guys, I'm going to be the champ. And I'm going to be the greatest champ, and I'm going to do things my way, and I'm going to blow the roof off this place. And she has. And that's why I don't think you should plan your WrestleManias. Don't, don't get that far ahead of yourself. You can have a loose idea of what you'd like to do, but no, at any time, things can change, and you've got to be ready to roll with those punches. All right, so as I had said, Braun is officially not uh, been cleared for action, which means who knows what's going to happen. Uh, well, here's what's going to happen as we had a match last night. The match uh, had Baron Corbin, John Cena, Drew McIntyre, and Finn Balor, okay? Finn Balor ultimately pinning John Cena to earn a universal shot against Brock Lesnar at the Rumble on January 27th, which I think by the time the Rumble happens, it'll happen and we'll, then we'll have another episode, I think, is how that's going to go down, if, if I remember correctly. We're not going to get one in before the Rumble. Maybe we will. Let's see. No. Our next episode will be the Wednesday following the Royal Rumble, so we're going to also be covering the Rumble today just to be just to be fairly certain for you folks. So now that the Royal Rumble has kind of shifted a little bit, we've also got another thing that shifted Royal Rumble weekend before we get into the card here. As it was interesting because it seemed like it broke, and as soon as the news broke, there was other news breaking. And it was maybe just a surprise last-second decision. But WWE unveiled a trademark for the phrase Worlds Collide. At the point that they filed the trademark, no one really knew what they were planning. I was thinking, oh, maybe they're going to do something with New Japan. Maybe they'll do something with ROH. That would be interesting and original and different. Oh, my gosh, WWE working with someone that isn't WWE. It's actually still pretty cool, though. Worlds Collide are going to is, going to, is going to be a tournament featuring superstars from NXT, NXT UK, and 205 Live, with the winner earning a future championship opportunity from any of those brands. 15 superstars will battle, uh, will compete. Oh, five stars from each division have already been chosen and will compete in a 15-star battle royal on Saturday to determine the first round matches for the single elimination tournament. All of this, of course, will be available on the WWE Network. Here are your five from each group. Your NXT five, Adam Cole, Bay Bay, Velveteen Dream, Dominic Djokovic, I'm fucking that one up, sorry. Keith Lee and Otis Dozovic. NXT UK, Mark Andrews, Tyler Bate, Travis Banks, Jordan Devlin, and Zach Gibson. And 205 Live, you've got Cedric Alexander, Humberto Carrillo, Tony Nice, Drew Gallick, and TJP. So, worlds collide. This is going to be happening also at Access. It will be taped and happens at 8 a.m., uh, Saturday of access. 
and then there will be another that'll be like the that'll be the 15 star battle royal that'll happen and then from that they'll determine seating and they'll determine what order who's going to do what interesting to note that i don't know if they're already pre pre planning this why they even need to do the battle royal unless they're just giving them bonus stuff but i digress so moving from that we we really do need to discuss the actual royal rumble and i'm going to pull that card up right now and we are going to look at this card and see what is going on here Wikipedia will give me the card without some bogus shit. All right, here we go. So far, here are the matches announced. We've got the Bar, which is Sheamus and Cesaro, taking on Shane McMahon and The Miz. That's a tag team title match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Ronda Rousey as the champion versus Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. Asuka as the champion versus Becky Lynch for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Daniel Bryan as the... WWE Champion versus AJ Styles for the WWE Championship. Buddy Murphy is champ versus Akira Tozawa, Kalisto, and Hideo Itami. A fatal four-way match for the Cruiserweight Championship. Brock Lesnar, the Universal Champion, coming in versus Finn Balor, as we just discussed, for the Universal Championship. 2019 Women's Royal Rumble match featuring 30 women. Winner going to WrestleMania 35 to challenge the champion of their choice. And the Men's Royal Rumble 30-man, which will also feature the same stipulation. The winner there getting to go on to WrestleMania 35 to face the champion of their choice. Let's talk about who is in this so far for the men's, and then we're also going to talk about the women. As of right now, 20 of the 30 Raw men entrants have been announced. Expect some of those 20, or some of those remaining 10, I should say, sorry about that, to be surprises, shock returns, unexpected twists, and things you don't expect to see coming who knows who knows what we will get right uncertain so let's talk about it our truth is first in he obviously is going to be our 30th man in the rumble uh he won the mixed match challenge with carmella giving her the 30th spot in the women's drew mcintyre also in Big E, kofi and xavier finn balor however finn balor might not actually still be in this as he just jumped the line to go directly to the universal title but maybe he stays in who knows maybe he pulls double duty Seth Rollins, Jeff Hardy, Dean Ambrose, Bob Lashley, Samoa Joe, John Cena, Elias, Baron Corbin, Jinder Mahal, Apollo Crews, Andre, Cien Almas, Mustafa Ali, Rey Mysterio, and Kalisto have all declared they are going to join the Royal Rumble match. I'm interested in seeing who wins. Looking at the names now, and looking at the future, and looking at what we could do. There are two names that stick out on this list as possibilities. Don't be surprised if you see them in the Final Four. Now, I'm not going to try to predict the entire Final Four. I think that's a little too cavalier because too many weird things could happen. But I can assume two names that can be a part of that Final Four. You're going to actually, I could probably do three names. Seth Rollins is one of those three names. Dean Ambrose will also be one of those three names. You've got to keep those two going at each other. Samoa Joe will be the third name. See those three at the top. Maybe none of those three actually win the Rumble. Uh, maybe Drew McIntyre is the fourth and wins the Rumble. Um, but look for those guys. Uh, all four deserve to get called up to the to the biggest part of this thing and challenge Lesnar and maybe take the belt off him to where we can have a regular champ running around. 
I'm sick of not having a Raw champion defending every fucking week or at least being there in some capacity. Stone Cold Steve Austin did it. The Rock did it. Triple H did it. Bret Hart did it. Shawn Michaels did it. The Undertaker did it. Mankind did it for fuck's sake. Why can't Brock fucking Lesnar? I don't know. Mr. Better than fucking everybody. I hate it. I can't stand it. It's just it's just me. He drives me crazy. It's the one thing about this whole thing that I just can't get over. Let's talk about the Women's Royal Rumble as 14 females have declared they are going to be a part of the Royal Rumble match. Obviously, as I said, Carmella winning the Mixed Match Challenge becomes entrant number 30 to the Rumble, giving her a pretty solid shot. Um... Ember Moon, Natalia, Bailey, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan, Sasha Banks. Again, maybe not, though, because she could be facing Ronda Rousey. and Well, she is facing Ronda Rousey, so she might not be in the Rumble. Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Alicia Fox, Zelina Vega, Naomi, and Mickey James. One thing to also mention, no Becky Lynch. And I think that Becky is not going to beat Asuka. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the predictions real quick. Let's go down the list. That tag team match for the SmackDown tag titles, I fully believe Shane McMahon and The Miz will win in a shocker against the bar. Believe that. Ronda Rousey versus Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. Obviously, Ronda is going to retain. How could you say anything else? Not that Sasha doesn't deserve to win the title. Don't get me twisted. She definitely deserves her shot. The issue is, again, looking at the future, looking at what's coming down the line, Rumble, then you've got WrestleMania. you got to think about WrestleMania. Now's the time to plant the actual seeds to determine what you really want to happen, not a year ago trying to figure this shit out. Right now, because look at the way things have all lined up. You wouldn't have expected Daniel Bryan to be our champ this time last year. I'm just saying. So Ronda versus Sasha, what happens? Ronda wins. Close match. Maybe there's some shenanigans. Maybe Becky Lynch causes Ronda to win because she loses her match to Asuka. Believe that. The reason I say that is Becky is poised to face Ronda. I think here's the path. Becky loses to Asuka. Maybe shenanigans, maybe no shenanigans. Maybe it's a roll-up, quick something. Maybe Becky gets caught. Whatever. In her anger, she's going to cost Sasha the title so she can ensure that if the title is removed from Ronda Rousey, it's only her that did it, and that gives her ultimate glory. But just causing Ronda to win the match doesn't give you a title shot, Becky. What the fuck? Well, guess who can then enter the Royal fucking Rumble match? Becky Lynch, who will win the Royal Rumble, my prediction. Becky wins the Rumble goes on to face Ronda at WrestleMania, creating one of the biggest feuds. Those two going at it, their verbal war, their physical war, everything in between, no Nia Jax to fuck it up this time, could set the roof on fire. Legit. Keep, keep, Just keep that in mind. So now let's look at this other match, and this is where things get interesting. Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, WWE title, it only makes sense to me that Daniel Bryan wins yet again. Now, you might be wondering, what? Why? Well, first of all, AJ's contract is starting to dwindle down here. He doesn't have many years left to be in the WWE unless he renegotiates. 
he's had a great run. He's been champ the majority of the time. He had an amazing debut at the Royal Rumble where the fucking crowd blew off the roof. Um, he literally created SmackDown Live as a, a mainstay of television that's just as good, if not in most cases, better than WWE's Monday Night Raw. But I think he's on his way out. And I think he's going to be finding his way to another company we'll be talking about in a little bit. But I don't think that's the immediate future for AJ. I think AJ still has work to do. Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles should be a headlining match for WrestleMania. It deserves it. Those two, one last time, ultimate stage, no stakes, winner take all, one champion. There's not any higher match you can set up for SmackDown that I care about, I guess is the way to say that. I mean, maybe Samoa Joe AJ Styles at Mania is better to kind of like round out and finish that feud if AJ were to win the title. Uh, but I, you know, I don't see Jeff Hardy being champ in the near future. I don't see Andre Cien Almas being champ that soon. I think he has to maybe become the U.S. champ before he becomes a, a bigger time champ, maybe. Uh, I don't see any of the guys from Raw jumping ship to go to SmackDown because, first of all, none of the guys who are on Raw can compete with these motherfuckers on SmackDown in that regard. So, AJ loses, DB retains, okay? Uh, up next, we're going to talk briefly about that Fatal 4-Way match for the Cruiserweight title. You know, this match, it, it kind of is a crapshoot. You could literally let anybody win and it would be awesome, but I do think that there has been enough build and enough time and enough waiting for him. It is time to crown Hideo Itami your cruiserweight champ. Heard it here first, folks. I think Hideo Itami has the best shot to become the cruiserweight champ, leaving the Royal Rumble. Up next, we got Brock versus Finn. A lot of people would say, obviously, Brock Lesnar wins. Most sensible thing. No questions asked. He goes on to the... WrestleMania to defend his title. I don't think so, actually. I think that to get back to it, WWE is trying to impress the fans right now and get back on our good graces. And right now, you're at your biggest pay-per-view so far to the year, right after some gigantic news that we're, again, getting ready to cover. It's our it's our final topic of the day. So you have all this buildup. What is the thing that could turn WWE back around again? than to recrown someone who has previously been the champion, had it taken away for no reason other than a, an injury that was not fair to him, uh, and then to finally find his way back to win the Universal title. I think Finn Balor is on a mission, and I believe that he really has a strong chance to beat Lesnar. Now, what we've seen in every match Lesnar's had in the past year and a half has been every person he gets in the ring with takes them takes him to their limit. And then for whatever reason, he just barely sustains, hits one F5, and it's over, right? I feel like Finn's going to be kind of a flash in a pan, lightning in a bottle kind of thing, where he's not going to be able to get caught that quick. He's going to be able to work, and he saw how Daniel Bryan worked over Brock Lesnar. Maybe, just maybe, we do in fact see a Finn Balor victory. And that sets up a whole different thing on what happens at the Rumble. So... Women's Royal Rumble, I say Becky Lynch. Dude's Royal Rumble, I am going to honestly say... It's 
if there's one from Raw or one from SmackDown, I'm thinking is going to have a shot. Samoa Joe, Drew McIntyre. If AJ Styles wins, Samoa Joe will win the Rumble. Quickest path back to him. If Finn wins or Lesnar retains and, say, um, Daniel Bryan retains, Drew McIntyre maybe? Let's see. We'll just have to see how this all plays out. That's that's my final predictions on that, guys. Now, one more thing I want to say. We did get an interesting health update on one Roman Reigns. Where do we get this update? From Y2J himself, Chris Jericho. Jericho did an interview recently and was talk and just briefly touched on Roman Reigns. As the train of our existence shows up, it did not show up during Journey into Comics this week, so of course it has to show up during Journey into Wrestling. So, uh... Y2J talking about Rain's progress, saying he's doing his treatment, and I think that things are going really well. I don't know much about leukemia. I don't know what the end game is as far as when you're, quote, cured. When it goes into remission, when you can do physical matches or travel or whatever it is. But we talk to him quite a bit. I've got a group text with him in it, and I text him on the side quite a bit. He always seems to be doing pretty well and is in good spirits. We love him, and I think it's just a matter of time before he comes back. More importantly, that he stays healthy for his family, for sure. So, uh, Roman, you know, like I said, maybe the biggest story of 2018 was the Roman Reigns uh leukemia story relinquishing the universal title and then now here we are again you could not have ever predicted that when they wanted maybe a Roman Reigns Lesnar three match or something that was not going to happen at the, at the Wrestlemania this year because uh, other plans so Chris Jericho huh what's he been doing lately I wonder well, see, here's the thing, folks. A couple weeks ago, I covered the fact that there had been teases and possibilities, and I think we had just found out um, the night before, actually, officially, that there was something called All Elite Wrestling coming. And then there was announced there was going to be a press conference. The full press conference was awesome. I watched it. It started with um, you had uh, SoCal Uncensored say that they've officially signed. Cody Rhodes came out and said that um, the wins and losses for their shows will hold higher value than ever before, meaning that they're going to not necessarily make everything as fixed or something, or maybe they'll put it in a way where it's more interesting. Who knows? They did not fully elaborate. Um, they're also going to be working, All Elite Wrestling, with the Orient Oriental Wrestling Entertainment, which is out of China. They also also announced that Double or Nothing is going to be taking place at MGM Grand in Las Vegas on May 25th. This is not all in two. This is Double or Nothing. It's a different event at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Uh, Brandy Rhodes has officially been announced as the chief brand officer and also um, is saying that the women's division, there will be equal pay between male and female performers. Also saying that she was uh, instrumental in ensuring the first female signee and the first official signee of AEW, Britt Baker. Dr. Britt Baker. Actually a doctor. Um, you had... Uh, what's his name? MJF. I can't think of it. He He's an asshole. Michael something. Uh, Michael something Frank, right? Uh, he came out and was like being shitty to everybody, and then bad boy Joey Janela shows up. So Janela's there, MJF is there, more signees, 
Penelope, Penelope Ford is also being signed to AEW. Adam Page comes out and cuts an intense promo saying that he wants to be All Elite Wrestling's first, essentially, world champion. And out comes former WWE superstar Neville, now known as his former name before he was in the WWE as Pac. So possibly Pac v. Adam Page for the first All Elite Wrestling title? We'll have to see. We'll have to see what Double or Nothing holds. But we're we're about five months out from All Elite Wrestling's first official pay-per-view Double or Nothing, or pay-per-view event or whatever you want to call it. And they also announced that after Double or Nothing takes place, there will be another AEW, AEW event taking place in Jacksonville and saying that a portion of the funds from that event that happens in Jacksonville will go to victims of gun violence. So they close the rally. The rally's over. Conrad Thompson says he's cool. And then you start hearing this music. And I'm like, <clears throat> I'm not sure who this music is. I couldn't really make it out because people were cheering and it was really loud. And then boom, out of fucking nowhere comes Chris Jericho saying, I'm Chris Jericho and I'm all in with all elite wrestling. Surprise! Got a lot of Jericho talk. That's the whole the whole thing here. So uh, Jericho signing with Tony Khan and All Elite Wrestling. Tony Khan of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he, here's what Jericho said at the event. I'm here with AEW, and I am not here for the money. I already got the money. I'm here because I believe in doing something different. I believe in doing something new. It's what I've always done with my career. I am a maverick. I am an outlaw. I am a pariah. I am Chris Jericho, baby. And it all starts today. So Jericho kind of set the community on fire because moments after this announcement got made, like within an hour or two, because I think this happened on a Tuesday, and that's right before it was right before SmackDown. So before SmackDown's video package, Jericho's video footage that was on that video package had been pulled. He's not a part of the highlight that leads into the show. So, Tony Khan writes this, The wrestling community is a constant. Its members are diverse. We are physically located on all corners of the planet, and yet we are constantly yet we are constantly connected. Recently, a new family has formed bonded by love and respect for wrestling, but armed with a vision and resources that have never before been available to the wrestling community. Our objective is to connect our community closer than ever before through All Elite Wrestling or AEW. AEW does not mean any less of a continued commitment to existing obligations and duties I have or my family has to this business and sports interests. That will never be the case. What's important is that every individual decision we make as a family, whether it's ownership or investment in a team opportunity or property, is 100% beneficial to those specific interests. I will always welcome that accountability and responsibility as nothing is more important than serving our supporters and friends. So, I'm telling you, AEW setting it on fire now. We don't have any official matches for uh, Double or Nothing. I do want to mention that the arena has, the MGM has a capacity for 17,000. So if they were to sell that out, that's about almost double the sellout of the Sears Center in Chicago last September during All Elite, uh, or during All In, sorry. Uh, but of course, this has even bigger names attached to it. Adam Page saying he wants to be the champ. Pac, Penelope Ford, MJF, Brett Baker, Scorpio Sky, Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes himself, Brandy Rhodes. Now, I will mention, very important to mention, that Double or Nothing is in May. Seems like a really far away away for them to be announcing this way back in January, right? Well, here's some things that I want to give you guys 
little little cut in on. One thing to note: Marty Skrull and Mister uh, What's His Face, Mister Oh God Damn It, Marty Skrull and Kenny Omega. Don't know why that spaced. So, um, Marty Skrull and Kenny Omega's contracts are coming up in April, and until then, or actually, I think I feel like. Kenny's in, is in February and Marty's is in April. So they just wanted to ensure that the full cast of All Elite can actually be together. So you got to kind of play the game. You got to kind of play it out. Take the time. And uh, yeah, I think that this is uh, all good indie hood. I think that All Elite Wrestling has something, I don't know how to say it, special, different, original. Fresh, new, clever, captivating, all the things you can think of to say about something. Listen, WCW was a cash cow, right? WCW was a rich guy, Ted Turner, saying, I can take on the WWF and I'll just outsource all my talent by out buying them and out buy everybody and I'll give massive contracts. Everybody will want to come here and that'll make us great. For a bit, it it did. For a bit, it did. It set the wrestling world on fire. This is different. These are wrestlers who have been scorned. These are wrestlers who have been on the road, in the indies, working their asses off, night in and night out, week in and week out, year in and year out, trying to do the right thing. You've had guys who have been in the WWE and decided, I didn't like it. I don't want to be there anymore. Cody Rhodes is the main example there. All these things considered, also Pac, another great example there. All these things considered, though, these guys want it. And they don't just want it. They want it to be the best. They don't just love professional wrestling. They love what it means to us. They remember being fans because they, too, are still fans. This is going to set the whole wrestling world ablaze because now you have an interesting thing. Right now, as we sit here, there are professional wrestlers all across the globe thinking, what do I do to get there? How do I go to All Elite? What is it going to take? And do I need to sacrifice, say, my contract with the WWE to do so? There are guys over there that would fit so well with All Elite Wrestling that are getting drowned out. I'm looking at you, Gallows Anderson, who should be fucking 20-time tag team champions at this point. Looking at you, uh, Daniel Bryan, who up and until this point I would have said has been underutilized or not utilized at all. Of course, he's champ, so I can't really, really say that. You know, you've got people all over that are going to clamor and need to come to All Elite Wrestling. It's going to bring the best talent because the best talent wants to be there. Not that we're going to get rich going there, and that's the only thing. It's the passion of it all. Speaking of passionate people who loved wrestling, who were scorned by wrestling, who... Maybe uh, have been on the outs for wrestling. Here's a rumor. Late breaking scoop. I'm going to put it here. As I say this, I'm just going to say the timestamp so the world knows that it's January 15th, 1 o'clock p.m. as I record this. So this is a day before you guys are actually listening to this. And actually only like 11 hours before some of you are listening to this as it drops at midnight. So... All those things considered, okay? What is a name that has been scorned from wrestling who could have made legendary wrestling, who could at any point set the wrestling world on fire with their return? 
I genuinely believe that right now behind the scenes there are phone calls being made with CM Punk, and I do believe there is a strong possibility with him not doing wrestling, with him not doing fighting anymore because he's become kind of an announcer doing fighting. He's going to need to get back to what he really loves, and he loves performing. And performing doesn't mean getting your ass kicked in professional UFC matches. Performing is wowing crowds. And an older, wiser, meaner CM Punk in all elite wrestling with the likes of Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Chris Jericho, Pac, Hangman Page, Joey Janela, Christopher Daniels, Scorpio Sky, uh, Frankie Kazarian, MJF. Those names, they just... You guys, CM Punk would thrive there, and it would take down the status quo of the WWE. If Vince is not worried, and I want to mention this, he should be. And I don't mean that as like some sort of weird threat. I don't know anything behind the scenes. I'm just a guy that reports this shit. But the fact is, look at it for what it is. They, the elite, did all in, kicked tons of ass, sold the place out in 30 minutes, it could have sold more tickets if there was more tickets to sell. Okay? This thing is going to blow up. You watch. And why do I say that? Well, I think that another thing that's happening, and we've actually heard some conjecture, is that there are two companies right now essentially in a power struggle over who is going to get the rights to do the television programming for the All Elite Wrestling. Now, interesting to note that if this happens, a lot of weird shit's going to start happening. You're going to have uh, more pro wrestling to watch on American television than you've ever had before, even, even, even more. And you're not going to need the network necessarily because TBS slash TNT, we know they have some history with professional wrestling, or Paramount Pictures, formerly known as Spike TV, also having some history with professional wrestling, are vying for the opportunity to do it. So they want these television contracts. They want all elite wrestling on their programming because it's going to be fire. And then if you get that kind of a deal, let me just say if TNT, Ted Turner and TNT work with Tony Khan and all elite wrestling, a company that doesn't need Ted Turner's money to be successful, but would benefit in the production value and the ability to go to the next level, man, Look out, Vince. I can't say it enough. It, it is a beautiful and interesting time. WWE is going to have to step up yet again. And this is, listen, it's weird because all elite wrestling is going to make wrestling great again. It's true. I hate to say it like that, but um, it's going to make it great again because you're going to force the WWE to think great again. And you're going to force the best wrestling on both products it's going to make everything flourish and the only thing that can ultimately come from this is at the end of the day 10 years down the road all elite wrestling needs to do a partnership with the wwe and they just need to have a global conglomerate where they're in every form of wrestling they just kind of monitor it and just make wrestling top notch the best of the best of the best and then some maybe that's a terrible idea too who who knows i don't know Maybe I'm just riffing here, and it's a little bit late into my show, and I don't have much actually left to talk about. One last thing I do want to talk about all the wrestling is that it even caught the attention of um, people, well, 
Edge and Christian, you guys. Edge and Christian do the pot of awesomeness. And, you know, they're the beloved WWE tag team who made history in the Attitude Era. Edge saying this. While I was asleep on New Year's Eve, big announcement, all elite wrestling. Yeah, New Year's announcement. Well, you're buddies with Tony Khan, right? I think you were the first guy who told me, oh, yeah, the son of the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars is a huge pro wrestling fan. So... Christian said that he had several discussions with Khan that left him impressed with Khan's knowledge and passion of the sport. Yeah, it's pretty big. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, they've got the money for it, right? I mean, if you own an NFL franchise and also a football team in England as well, Khan obviously has a passion for pro wrestling. Having talked to him before, he's a fan of it. And you having young, ambitious guys like Cody and the Young Bucks involved, and you saw the success they had with All In. So like I said, it's very ambitious, but all the luck to them. It's never bad to have places for guys to go out there and apply their trade, guys and girls. Edge seemed to think that AEW can become a powerhouse within indie wrestling, especially if they continue to nab the right talent. Crazier things have happened. It'll be interesting to see who else they're able to pluck from the indie scene, and also who knows with contracts coming up and all that stuff. It could get interesting. So overall, you guys, all elite wrestling, kicking tons of ass, the future super bright, who knows what we're going to get on the other side of this thing. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. You guys, this has been Journey into Wrestling. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. It is a little bit shorter. We're not going to do a highlight this week. I wanted to kind of stay focused on current topics in the WWE and also stay focused on the fact that All Elite Wrestling is here. All Elite Wrestling is going to kick lots of ass. It's really early in the stages. We just kind of, we're going to continue to have developing news, I guess. But this might reshape my show also. It might fully reshape how I do this podcast. Considering usually we're done after WrestleMania season and now I'm hearing All Elite Wrestling is going to have the Double or Nothing pay-per-view in May. Hmm. Maybe you guys will have to find us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash journey into comics. Give us a dollar early access exclusive content. And yes, that exclusive content does mean shows that are off the air for the season that have specials that only debut and show up on our Patreon. You just give us one dollar. It's not that hard. It's a dollar. You have a dollar. Dollar a month. Month, month, month. We give you all the content you can ha- handle. I mean, we release, we've, we've got so many podcasts, it's crazy. It's insane. But I'm going to stop babbling about the Patreon. Let's get into the other plugs, folks. You guys can check out Journey Into Wrestling and the Journey Into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com where you'll get all the different shows on our network. Uh, stay tuned the rest of this week where we've got uh, Podcastrophe, debuting season two of The Voice of Survival. We've got Brews with Dudes, Dungeons with Dudes, and the best of the week to round out your week. Folks, we are a network of shows. One feed is all you need. You get us here by searching on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or Spotify, wherever you're getting podcasts. Search Journey into Comics Network. You will find us. We will be pulled up. You can hit the subscribe button, and then you will get access to all of our regular episodes every single day of the week, 365 days a year. That's a guarantee from the Podfather. That's me. All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Season 3, Episode 12 of Journey into Wrestling. It's all elite, baby. I've been your host, Nate. Have a glorious day.